Well, tonight I want to continue to look with you at God's most famous name. We talked about that this morning, the name Jehovah. It is the name that you will see, I told you this morning, 6,823 times in the Old Testament. So the majority of the time as you're reading through the Old Testament, the name Jehovah or Yahweh is the name that you'll be reading in your Bibles. Not all the time, certainly, but a lot of the time you'll see that because it occurs so often in the Old Testament. So I want to start by kind of summarizing a little bit of these, these names that all mean essentially the same thing because here's what happened, and you don't know this and, uh, unless you were somehow connected to our services through media or something, but you don't know this, but the first service... I preached the message, and between the first service and the second service, I cut about two pages out of my notes. Now, what that will do probably is motivate you to go to the second service, right? It's like, oh, that's where he preaches the shorter message. And so, in the first service, I had a lot of information, and between services, I thought, that's just too much information. It's too detailed. I need to cut this. Uh, And so, in the second service, I felt like it flowed better because I was not trying to just dump everything on you like I did maybe in the first service. So, some of the things I'm going to be sharing initially at the very first are things that some of the first first service people may have heard, but uh, not everybody got to hear it. So, let me just take just a couple of minutes to summarize what I shared with the first service and what the rest of you did not get to hear. And I want to start with these four letters. Y-H-W-H. Now, of course, that is the English letters. That is a transliteration of the Hebrew letters. Uh, These are not the Hebrew letters. That's just the English transliteration. Uh, But let's start there. When the Bible was written, of course, the Old Testament was written in in Hebrew. And when the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, initially there were no vowels. There were only consonants. And so the name Yahweh or we, we'll talk about Jehovah in a minute, the name Yahweh initially had no vowels. It was just four letters, four consonants. The Hebrews considered this name so holy because it was God's name that they would not pronounce this name. When they were reading the Hebrew Bible, and in Hebrew you read from right to left, but when they were reading the, the Hebrew Bible and they came to this name, they would put their finger there and they would say the name the words, the name. Or they would substitute the name Adonai, which we're going to be looking at Adonai next week. But so the reading in the Hebrew Bible, Hebrew text, and they come to this and they either say the name or Adonai. And the reason for that is because they feared profaning the name of God. It was too holy to be spoken. Now, sometime before the the 10th century, it's not exactly sure when, some Jewish scholars called the Mesorites added vowels to this. And so they added the vowels. It gets a little technical, but they used the name Adonai, took the vowels from Adonai and added it to this. And so then we came up with Yahweh. Y-H-W-H, Y-H-W-H. They added the vowels, the Mesorites did, to make Yahweh, to give us a name we could pronounce. But the interesting thing is, for the 
committed Hebrews, the committed Jews, they still wouldn't pronounce that name. And in fact, if you were to go to a Jewish synagogue today, or yesterday, if you had gone to a Jewish synagogue, they still to this day consider this name too sacred to be spoken. The name Yahweh. So, so this is Yahweh, the English translation of the Hebrew. So where did we get the name Jehovah? Over the years, the Bible was translated in various forms. And again, this gets technical, but I'm trying to just simplify it for you. So Yahweh came from the translation of the Bible. Initially, the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible was translated into Latin, called the Latin Vulgate. And then it was translated from Latin into German. And in the process of this translation, and I won't get into how the letters changed, they did not change the name, it was just the way that it was translated. Then it, it came to be called, or this name came to be known as Jehovah. Same name, it's just how the letters were translated. All right, So we're not changing the name at all. This still refers to this. Just when this was translated from Hebrew to Latin and then from Latin to German, it came to this. Then, what's this? When this was translated into English, it became, and I don't know if you can see this where you are, but then it became Lord. L-O-R-D, capital letters. So... In my message today, I tried to kind of summarize all of that real quickly, and I felt like that, that's where I messed up, and, and uh, so I cut that out between services. Uh, but in my message today, I primarily used this word. I referred to this name, Jehovah, primarily. Although I did refer to Yahweh some, I primarily referred to Jehovah, but then we also read in the text about Lord. So I wanted to give you all of those names to try as best I can to make sure you are clear before we get into this study tonight that whether you're talking about this or this or this or this, you are still referring to the same name, the personal name of God, the covenant name of God. And by the way, one of the reasons that today I spoke so much about Jehovah that I use this name rather than Yahweh you could use either name, but the reason that I spoke about Jehovah is because in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about Jehovah Jireh, and I wanted you to have the context of Jehovah so that it would not be confusing for you. So, in summary, before we get into this tonight, Yahweh, Jehovah, or Lord in capital letters all refer to the same name, the name of God that is relational to us. The covenant name of God. Or, as he says in Exodus 3, the personal name of God. Remember, this is the name God says, we'll look at it in a moment. This is the name where God says, this is my name forever. His personal name is Yahweh or Jehovah or Lord. Is that clear? Kind of? Sort of? Okay. So, I, I want to talk a little bit broader now about this name Jehovah. And I want to give you three things about this name, if you're taking notes, that... Hopefully, we'll give you a better understanding, broaden your understanding of this special name of God. First of all, the, so there's going to be three points. The first one is this. I want to show you that this name represents that God is immutable. God is immutable. That simply means God never changes. 
Now, let's go back to Exodus 3. Take your Bibles. Go with me to Exodus chapter 3. Go back to the text we had this morning. Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. We won't read the entire text this time, but just beginning in verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Or as I told you today, it could be translated, I am who I have always been. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. In other words, God was communicating to Moses and then ultimately to the Israelites that he is unchanging. That he is immutable. That God never changes. He's not I was. He's not even I will be. But he says I am who I am. I am has sent me. The God who never changes. Have you ever thought about the fact that God doesn't need to change? I mean how would he change? If he changed from who he is to something better. Then he's not God. And, if he, and why would he change from who he is to something less? So God has no need to change. And God does, in fact, and in, in, we'll see in Malachi in a couple of weeks where God says, I do not change because He is immutable or He is changeless. He is eternal. He has no need to change. Now, that's not true of you and I, is it? You and I are forever changing, right? If you don't believe that, you just, just go home and pull out some pictures from about 15, 20 years ago. And you'll see that indeed you are changing. We, we, I'm pointing to myself, we are getting older, are we not? We, for some of us, our hair is graying or it's falling out. Uh, you Just look at a picture of when I came here 25 years ago. And look at me now and you say, yeah, we, we definitely are changing. We're getting wrinkles, our skin is sagging. Uh, even our memories, our memories, I, Lisa and I will sometimes say, I miss my brain, I miss my mind. Because we can't remember what we once used to remember. We're changing. But God does not go through the change process. He is who He was and He is who He will always be. He is the great I Am. Listen to this, because He's always the God of the present tense. He is the great I Am. Now, you and I are not like that because you and I live inside time. We live inside time. God doesn't. God is not subject to time. God is eternal. God is always now. There's never been a past with God. There's never been a future with God. God is always now. God doesn't live inside time. So there's no past, there's no future, there's only now. And that's why, oh I love this, that's why God can never become irrelevant because He's always current. He's always I am. God never becomes irrelevant. Let me tell you something. A thousand years from now, God will be just as relevant a thousand years from now as he was on the first day of creation. Because he's I am. He is who he always has been. He will never change. He is immutable. 
Now, the reason I, I say all that is because I want you to go back to verse 15 and see what God said to Moses. God said to Moses, verse 15, Say to the Israelites, the Lord, or you could say Yahweh, or Jehovah, all right, verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and God of Jacob has sent me to you, watch this, this is my name, how long? Forever. This is my name forever, and watch this, watch this, this is my name that I will be, mem- that I will be remembered by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Because for every generation, He is still the same. For every generation, He is still I am. For every generation, He is the same that He was generations ago. For every generation, He is immutable. He never changes. He is perfect. He is holy, He is righteous, He is loving, He is gracious. For every generation, He is the same. He is, I am. Some 1300s, He was still, I am. And a thousand years from now, He'll still be, I am. He will always be relevant. He will always be current because He is always the God of the present. Now, that's kind of, we, we talked a little bit about that today, but let me talk to you secondly about how God is personal. How this name shows how God is personal. And, and I, I hit on that a little bit today, but I want to go deeper with you. How this name not only shows that God is unchangeable, but how this name, either of these names, show how God is personal. I want you to go with me um, back to the book of Genesis. And I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to walk through chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And I want to show you something about how personal God is. Now I need you to talk to me a little bit and make sure you're with me. But in Genesis chapter 1, you should know this by now. In Genesis chapter 1, what name is God referred to with in Genesis chapter 1? Elohim. And that is the name that is used throughout the entire chapter, right? In Genesis chapter 2, what name is God referred to with? Alright, a little bit less certain about that, but he's referred to as the Lord God. Again, if you were reading that in the Hebrew text, it would read, He is Jehovah God, or if you prefer, Yahweh God. Yahweh Elohim. Jehovah Elohim. Now, I want you to notice how Genesis 3 opens. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. The Lord God. You see that? Lord God. Talk to me, talk to me. Lord God is, put those two names in Hebrew. What are they? They are Lord is Yahweh. Jehovah, he's the Lord Elohim. He is Yahweh Elohim, Jehovah Elohim. All right, so watch this. Watch how this unfolds. God is referred to in the first verse as the Lord God. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, this is the serpent, 
Satan said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did he leave a name out? Yeah. What name did he leave out? He left out Yahweh. He left out Yahweh or Jehovah. He, he, it begins by talking about the Lord God, and Satan just refers to God. So, so Satan drops this. He doesn't use this name, and there's a reason behind that. Now, before we get into that, when Eve speaks to Satan, it's interesting, she also drops this name. She doesn't use this name. Look at the text. Did God, verse 1, did God really say, did Elohim really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but Elohim, or God, did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God, or Elohim, knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like Elohim. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So interesting that in this conversation, there is no mention of Yahweh or Jehovah. There is no mention at all. By removing the name Jehovah, or Lord as it's translated in our English Bibles, by removing that name Lord, or Jehovah, Satan pulls a sales trick on Eve. He sought to deceive her by hiding God's relational name. Remember, that's what this is. This is God's relational name. Elohim is just simply the, the God of creation, the God of power, the mighty God of creation. But this is God's relational name. And so Satan pulls a sales trick on Eve as he hides God's relational name. By, watch this. By hiding God's relational name, he's also hiding the relational impact of the deed he was trying to get her to commit. Follow with me. If I don't mention his relational name, maybe she will not pick up the impact it will have on her relation with him. You see, Satan was okay with Eve talking about God. He just didn't want her to talk about having a personal relationship to a God she's, in, she's accountable to. Uh, can I say to you, Satan's not too, too concerned, not too worried about you mentioning God's name every once in a while. He just doesn't want you to have a personal relationship with him. He's not too threatened that you know or that you say the name of God. But it's that personal, intimate relationship that he fights against. And so in the temptation, this name is dropped and they just talk about Elohim because this is the God of relationships. Now, with that in mind, I want you to see in verse 3, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 8, after Adam and Eve sinned, guess who came walking through the garden after Adam and Eve sinned? Chapter 3, verse 8. When the man and his wife heard the, or I'm sorry, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from 
the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then, watch this, then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals who will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life and I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between her offspring and yours and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I'll greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. He'll rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. And he goes on to describe this curse. And then it goes on to say, verse 20, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And then it says in verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. The Lord God. God calls them to give an account of the actions that they had done because, watch this ladies and gentlemen, He was in relationship with them. So He calls them to give an account of why they turned their back on that relationship. The point is simply this, when God wished to make himself known in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when God wished to make himself known, when God wished to be in a relationship with someone, he used this name, Yahweh, Jehovah, or as we, in our English, Lord, all capital letters. It's the name that signifies God is relational, God is personal. then the third thing that I want to share with you tonight is how God is a God of revelation. And what I mean by a God of revelation is that He he reveals Himself to us. And that's what this name signifies, that God reveals Himself. He gives us a greater understanding of who He is. And this is where I want you to go to Genesis, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 6. I was thinking about this today. I've read the Bible through, I don't know how many times, but there's sometimes, have you ever had this, there's sometimes when I've read a verse, it's like, I don't remember ever seeing that before. Fascinates me how the depth of Scripture just continues to quench our thirst, and the, it's just, just fascinating how you can read something, and then it's like, wow, I never saw that before, though I've read it many, many times. Exodus chapter 6 is one of those passages for me, and it talks about the relational aspect of God. Exodus chapter 6, let's read verses 1 through 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. Now watch verse 2. Watch this 
these, these names, beginning in verse 2. God, Elohim, said to Moses, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah, I am Yahweh. And then he says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. Another name. And we'll talk about that name, I think, I think it might be next Sunday, God Almighty. Um, I'm not going to get into that one now, but look what he says. Verse 2, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. That's the verse that caught my attention. Read that one more time. God said to Moses, verse 2, God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, or by my name, Jehovah, by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. Now, I don't think that this means that the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I don't think that this means that they were totally ignorant of the name Yahweh or Jehovah. They likely knew that name. They likely knew the understanding of what that name represented. But they did not understand its full implications as the name of the one who would redeem God's people. They did not understand, God did not reveal to them, here's the word, God did not reveal to them all that that name means for their people. They apparently had some concept of Yahweh. They had some idea of Yahweh or Jehovah because the next two verses say that God made a covenant with them. He was in relation with them. Look what it says in verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 says, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they lived as aliens. In other words, I appeared to Abraham, verse 3, I appeared to Isaac, I appeared to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name as the Lord, I did not make myself known to them, but I did establish a covenant with them. I established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Israelites are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. So they had some concept of this relational God. They had some concept of this God who wants to be personally involved in their lives because he made a covenant with them. But now, watch this. Now hundreds of years later, follow me, now hundreds of years later after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now hundreds of years later, the true significance of this name would unfold. Look at verses 6 through 8. Therefore, say to the Israelites. Now, the Israelites would be those people in slavery hundreds of years after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. New generation. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. I am Yahweh. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. This is how deep the relationship is. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And then you will know. Then you will know not just in your head. The idea is then you will know from experience 
then you will know from experience that I am the Lord. I am Jehovah, your Elohim, your God. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. I am the Jehovah. You see, God demonstrated for this generation, hundreds of years after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God demonstrated for this generation that He is the personal, living, unchanging God. He demonstrated that He was fulfilling the promises He made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was now fulfilling for this generation. But this generation had a much deeper understanding of Jehovah than that generation ever could have because this generation walked through the parted waters of the Red Sea. This generation saw God provide manna and quail. This generation saw the the cloud that they followed by day and the pillar of fire by night. This generation experienced Jehovah. They experienced the Exodus. They experienced this personal God leading them day by day by day, providing for them day by day by day. Only the Israelites who experienced the exodus could fully appreciate the meaning behind this name. And that's why God said, I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and I appeared to them primarily as Elohim. I did not reveal to them that I am the Lord. Oh, they knew the name, likely. They knew Jehovah. They just didn't know the depth of what this name represented. But this other generation, hundreds of years later, this other generation, they knew He was personal because they had experienced that for themselves in the Exodus. And all God's people said, let me close by giving you a good word. Uh, and I'm just trying to decide how much to give you here. Um, remember Jesus in the New Testament in John chapter 8? Do you know, remember, let's, let's go back. Remember when uh, God said in Exodus, He said, here's my name. My name is I Am. I am that I am. And you want to shorten you just call me I Am. Go to John chapter 8. Let me show you something Jesus said. We, we don't, take time to dig into it, but let's at least read it. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Verse 58. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. He's talking to some Jewish leaders and He's in this he did exchange with these Jewish leaders. And in fact, they say in verse 57, you're not, you're not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? i tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus was clearly identifying himself as God in flesh. The great 
I am. And watch this. The God who is personal. God who is in relationship. I am. That's what the name means. I am. And Jesus said before Abraham was born, I am. And in fact, if you were to take the time, seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus describes himself with these words, I am, that echo Exodus 3.14. In John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In John 10, he says, I am the gate. In John John 10 again, he says, I am the good shepherd. In John 11, he says, I am the resurrection. In John 14, he says, I am the way. And in John 15, he says, I am the the true vine. These I am statements from the mouth of Jesus was his way of saying he was God in human flesh. He was the fulfillment of Yahweh. The fulfillment of Jehovah. I'm just here to tell you that your God is a present tense God. And whatever your present tense need is, Jesus is the great I am of God. He came so that we might know God personally. Just can't stress that enough. Jesus came so that we might know God personally. Before Abraham was born, Jesus said, I am. Father, thank you for revealing to us the truth of your word. Thank you for revealing to us the, the, the scriptures that point us to the one who is far greater than we are. The one who is present tense. The one who wants to be involved in a relationship with us. The one who is personal. The one who is never changing. The one who is ever present. Father, we're grateful that you and you alone are Jehovah. You are Lord And we submit our lives to you. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray.